Alright, here we go. What's going on? It's Kyle Cruz, and you're listening to the KC at the Movies podcast from March 19th, 2019. Uh, just want to say thanks for everyone for uh, tuning in last night to watch the Drunk Aquaman livestream. Uh, it was a lot of fun to do uh, after we got over that first issue. But in the end, it ended up being quite a fun uh, night I had. A uh, little... I don't know about the movie itself, but uh, I had a I don't know I had I had a pretty good I had a pretty good time, um, very very fun night. So that podcast is being edited at the moment, and that'll be up uh, very soon, uh, probably tomorrow. I'll probably do some editing on it tomorrow, and then I'll put it up, up upload it tomorrow uh, with this podcast that I'm doing right now. And this podcast, as I said last night, is going to be be about Captain Marvel. Um, and a little bit of the MCU, I think, at the moment as well. I want to I want to have a little bit of discussion about the MCU as well. I thought I'd just um, talk about some elements that just been, just been on my mind, especially after seeing this movie. Um, I just want to talk about a few things that I've just been thinking about as we as we lead up to our Endgame in April, which is next month, which is no joke, like one... Two, three, four, five. About five weeks away. Endgame is five weeks away. Absolutely in- insane. We started counting down from end, uh, Infinity War, and we're nearly here once again a year later. But mostly want to focus on uh, Captain Marvel. So I went and saw Captain Marvel last week. Uh, I believe it was a week after its release, because it came out on March 8th here. So, yeah, it was a week after its release. Went and saw Captain Marvel last week. And, uh, overall, had a pretty positive experience. Had a good time. Uh, but I do see the the criticism and everything, and I'll, I'll get into that later. So, because this is going to be quite an in-depth discussion, I'm going to include spoilers later on. Um, I'll probably be, there'll probably be some brief conversation about the film itself, and uh, just, just some vague elements that I want to just touch on and, and my thoughts and everything, both good and bad. Uh, but later on, there's going to be a discussion on the spoilers, and I'm going to talk about things there, and then that'll lead into a bit more of a discussion about the MCU in, um, in itself. So, Captain Marvel is written and directed by Anna Boden and Ryan Fleck. I, no, actually, I believe it's written by um, uh, the girl that did the first draft for Guns of Galaxy 1. Um, hold on a second. I never learned the lesson to have the bloody movie up when I'm fucking talking about it. <laughs> I'm such a dickhead. Ah, so yeah, yeah it's written by Anna Burden and Ryan Fleck and uh, Nicole Perman, that's her name. So she did one of the drafts as well. Uh, it's also written by Geneva Robertson Dorrit. But mostly it is uh, directed by yeah, Anna Burden and Ryan Fleck who uh, did It's Kind of a Funny Story and the criminally underrated uh, Half Nelson which is a fucking great movie if you haven't seen it it's really really fucking good uh, it's got Ryan Gosling in it and one of his best performances you have Anthony Mackie who is the Falcon in uh, Marvel Cinematic Universe he's in it too and uh, you know it's, it's a really really great film about a teacher that has a drug addiction that is getting trying to get into a, a makes a friendship with one of the students and the complications arise there it's just a really really good movie it's a really fucking good 
and I think that it's highly underwatched. Um, people, not many people have seen it, and I don't see many people, people talking about it when it comes to independent film as well. Um, a really, really great film, and it's kind of a funny story. is a really, really good film as well, but I think I, I like Half Nelson better in terms of their filmmaking. Uh, but it's kind of a funny story. It's a really, really good film as well. Um, that that Under Pressure musical number is great. Um, I like Kill Gilchrist. Pretty much the only role I like him in. Uh, Emma Roberts is great too. Zach Galifianakis is great in that movie. Um, and that movie's on Netflix right now if you want to go check that out. So if you want to see th these directors' previous work, please do check out... The, the two films I need to re recommend are Half Nelson and It's Kind of a Funny Story. So the directors of those movies were tasked by Kevin Feige and Marvel to direct Captain Marvel which is uh, the story of Carol Danvers. And uh, she is a Cree who uh, lands on Earth. The movie is, it ta it's taken from the Kelly Sue McCormick headlines, um, uh, comic, sorry, headlines. Is it McCormick? Kelly Sue McCormick? Is that right? Hold on a second, just let me just do... Let me double bloody check this. It'll be in the trivia. I think I'm saying her name wrong, that's why I'm not... Uh, I'm trying to... Um, you know, get this right. Uh... the Marble... No. no. Peter Torbrook... No, no, no. Film was based on the Cree Skull storyline. I did that one. It'll be down. Spoilers. Spoilers! It'll be down here. Ah! Oh, oh, Deconic. I was so close. <laughs> Kelly Sue Deconic, not McCormick. Where did I get McCormick from? That's fucking. Kenny's name from South Park. <laughs> um. So, Ke Ke <laughs> Kelly Sue McConnick, sorry. And it's um, based off of her Captain Marvel arc um, about Carol Danvers and uh, her coming to Earth, becoming uh, pretty much one of the most powerful heroes in Marvel Comics. Um, she, at the moment, she probably would be the most powerful hero in the MCU. And she is supposed to be the key in defeating Thanos. So, what happens in this movie is, uh, she falls to Earth, it, it, it pretty much focuses on her, uh, trying to defeat the scrolls, and, um, which are these, these shape-shifting alien beings that can pretty much take on anybody, and mimic their actions and everything, um, and she also meets Nick Fury. And uh, their relationship, and then there's a lot of other stuff as well. For, um, a good mate of hers, Monica Rambo. So yeah, there's a, there's a lot of stuff going on in this movie. There's a lot of stuff going on, which is one of its um, one of its cons, to be honest. There's a lot of things going on. Um, so bef before I get the jump, st jump of the uh, bad stuff, I'll, I'll start with the good stuff. Um, I, I, the chemistry between Brie Larson and Samuel Jackson was great. I uh, really liked those scenes. And Samuel Jackson is—I think he's—he's he's my favorite part of the movie. Even though I'm, I'm a really big fan of Brie Larson, um, I still liked Samuel Jackson better because I don't think I liked the char character of Carol much as much as him. Um, 
But again, that was just my my thing. I think Brie Larson. There's a lot of uh, there's a lot of you know critics going around saying criticism saying that her acting is wooden. I don't know. I just I just can't agree with that. I don't think her acting was wooden. I just think there's problem a problem with the direction there. I think. Um, where they've probably told her to be kind of... Because she comes off as kind of stoic and kind of snarky as well. So, and she cracks a few jokes every now and then. So I don't get the other people saying that she doesn't smile enough. Because she actually smiles quite a, quite a bit. And she has a few laughs with Fury. So, that stuff. Um, I just, I, I can't agree with anything there. Now, the character of Carol, though, is just not as compelling as I want her to be. Uh, but that's... I'll get to those cons in a minute. Uh, Goose the Cat is fucking great. Um, yeah, he's so good. <laughs> I'm not really a cat person, but I fucking love the cat in this movie. And it's chemistry of um, Nick Fury. Ben Mendelsohn was great as the, um, as the villain. He's a really great villain. And when you find out more about who he is, I uh, really, really enjoy those parts. Um... I think the scrolls are an interesting kind of story because, as, as I said before, they've taken parts from the scroll Kree War. Um, so the scrolls are really interesting because, yeah, they have the ability to shapeshift to anyone you know, anyone you could really, you could think that is your friend that that could be a scroll. So uh, that that you know that could be a um, that could be a problem. <laughs> um, and it's like it kind of reminds me of the um, Secret Invasion storyline with the comics. So it, I'd be interested to see if they really do go there after we get done with Endgame in Phase 4. Um, phase 3, I'm sorry, Phase 4, I don't know where we are. Um, actually, you might tell me here, because I've got the Wikipedia up. Yeah. Yeah, okay. Uh, phase 4. Phase 3, because we're moving into say Phase... After, after Endgame, we're going into Phase 4, I believe. So... I think if they're done with that, because I've still, I think they're still gonna do Spider-Man and Black Panther. They could do the Secret Invasion storyline, but there's some new Avengers if they choose to do, they choose to do any more, maybe some younger Avengers. I don't know. That could be really cool. Um, I liked, I liked uh, Lashana Lynch in this movie as Maria Rambo, but again, she kind of comes with the cons as well. Um, I liked the score. The score was a little different. It was kind of... It still had that kind of Marvel operatic vibe to it, like all the Marvel movies have. They always have the same kind of shit going on. But this... I can say that this and Black Panther, even though Black Panther is like... I've had that outrage with the Oscars and everything like that, and, you know, I've had my stuff there. I will say that that score sometimes does incorporate, like, the drums and everything into it, and it's really it's really cool when that happens. Uh, but this one kind of does the same kind of thing, but instead of doing the African drums, there's kind of like an electronica going on. And um, you know, there's a bit of um, there's, there's a bit of a guitar. There's a bit of it's hard to describe. It's like it's kind of yeah. It's it's like electronic here. It, it's it it kind of reminded me of like uh, '80s a mishmash of '80s and '90s instrumental. And um, it was really it was interesting. Um, but then you like you've got like it does swing back and forth between that and the and the, um and the Marvel like operatic. Like what they always do with the superhero movies. I just call it generic superhero music. But it does have that difference in it. And it does have that style going on underneath. So I will give tops to um I believe her name is Pina Toprak, who is um 
the composer for the film. And I believe she's the first female composer for a Marvel film. Um, again, I shouldn't be getting rid of this page because I need all the information is right here. Um, I believe, yeah, I do think, because I think I read something the other day that she was the first female composer, Pina. Pina. Where are you, Pina? No. No. No, not Renda Rousey. <laughs> just going through the, um... It's weird, the trivia here, it's pretty interesting. I'm just trying to find the fucking thing about the... Score. Ah! There it is. First woman to score an MCU film. There it is. That's really cool, and I'm and and I'm really glad that she was the one that um, happy that she was the one that was able to you know do something different with the score and add that kind of feel to it because um, it does have a there's a, there's a difference with it between the other Marvel scores. Um, it and Black Panther are the ones I've realized uh, recognized so far that have had the difference in between them. Um, I think. The jokes were good too. They're a bit hit and miss. I'd say mostly hits because, like, again, the chemistry between Samuel L. Jackson and Brie Larson. Most most of the um, the jokes are there, and between those two, and like, most of the time they did hit for me. Um, I must have been in a good mood because not many people did like the jokes as well. And um, I liked when she, you know, when she um, when she goes binary at the end of the film. That was that was that was pretty awesome. That was really cool to see. Um, but I don't know. Other than that, I'd say that's about it in terms of positives. There's a lot more like because if I'm going to look at this as a film and as a good film, I have to look at what like you know elements of filmmaking and and what like what the story is because the script here is not too good and um, the. Um, it's like the directors don't know how to film action, uh, which which I, I do understand because they're coming from indie roots and they're um you know this is the this is their big break kind of thing, um, in terms of in terms of mainstream I I really loved their work before this. But um yeah I, I just feel like it's it's kind of falls kind of falls apart there, the characterization of. Carol, she doesn't really, I mean, she doesn't really have, I, I just have to say that she doesn't really have a bit of an, she doesn't have much of an arc in this movie. She's already, um, I, I'll get into the spoils in, in, the, in, the, in the end, but um, in, in terms of action, there's not much memorable action sequences. I think I liked the train sequence, that was good, but the end is just all CGI and all her going binary, that's all CGI. That was fun to watch, but in terms of an action scene, it wasn't really that memorable. I don't really know what she was... Sh I've actually forgotten what kind of ships she was punching and everything, all that stuff. But the train sequence... Sorry. The train sequence 
was um was memorable because you had you first of all you had the scroll on the train and you had you had a couple of scrolls on the train and you've got Fury and Coulson down down below driving on the car trying to catch up with them. You have the pretty cool choreography going on on the train and the fight scenes and, and Brie Larson's physicality is really good too. And my favorite fight scene was in the beginning when she was just training with um Yon Rog who's played by uh, Jude Law who loves to play a villain. <laughs> Um, and there we go. There we go. We've reached spoiler territory. <laughs> so, um, okay. <laughs> yeah, I just fucking opened my mouth then, didn't I? Jesus. Anyway, I'm going to put a banner over this saying spoilers anyway, because I, I was always going to get into spoilers. So if you don't listen to... This is for everyone who wanted to, like, um you know, kind of get the thoughts and then really dive into the discussion afterwards. So this is, this is for those people. I will, I'm going to put in the description anything like not, not to watch it, not to listen if you haven't really seen the film. But let's get into it. Uh, Yon Rog, who's played by Jude Law, ends up being the villain, uh, which I did kind of see coming. It was kind of predictable that he was going to be the villain. Uh, what I didn't see coming, though, was... The scrolls and they turning into the good people i didn't see that that was that kind of caught me off guard that was a really nice pleasant surprise and then that's when ben mendelson really gets to play i reckon because there's a scene in uh monica rambo's house who is uh the long lost friend who i mentioned that lashana lynch plays of carol danvers when she was an air force pilot and it's the, the cat and his comedic timing with that cat was so fucking funny. I was just... It was just hilarious. And it was kind of like a foreshadowing line as well, where he just said, what is that thing? And he's just like, well, that's a cat. And he goes, that is not a cat. I think he says... I think I'm paraphrasing, but like, I think it's like... He says, oh, that, that's, that's not a cat. And then you find out later that that is not a cat. That is a flurkin. Uh, Flurkin's like an alien being who has like universes within its body and everything. That's why it can swallow lots of shit. And then Goose ends up revealing itself to be a Flurkin later in the film. And um, people kind of said that, that when Goose was a Flurkin, how it was just getting a little ridiculous. I highly disagree. Um, it, was a, it was so fucking good when um, it was showing off its powers and everything. I liked the first bit. And then people were saying that like... He kept doing it over and over again. He only really did it twice, I think. Um, but the reason why it, it works a second time is because it's it's different. The shots the shot is different. It's a wider shot, and the it, the comedy works better in that shot as well. Because you have more tentacles to play with, and he's got more fucking um, Cree. And he, like he's fucking bouncing around and everything. The first shot is his kind of reveal. It's the fucking tentacles out of his mouth and grabbing him and pulling him in. That's it. that's the first shot. That's like a mid shot. And then you've got the wide shot where it shows that the comedy works much more, much more. Um, yeah, much more. I, I don't know. I was trying to fucking add a word on there, but uh, it just works better. And um, I liked the second. I really liked the second part more than the first part because it was just funnier and it worked way better for that um, scene. Now, what I didn't 
Um, I also did... I don't know. I wouldn't say the musical choices were as... Invasive as Suicide Squad. But you could just tell that they were just going full of straight nostalgia. And it works sometimes. There's other songs that I just think didn't really fit in the movie at all. Um, uh, there's... Uh, you, you know, you've got, you've got Till says Chasing Waterfalls, you have um, I'm Only Happy When It Rains, um, you've got um, What a Man by Salt and Pepper in the beginning, and then you've got Just the Girl, which is the big part, and I'll get to that in a minute. But yeah, that kind of... I don't know. It, I, I don't I don't think it was too heavy-handed. Um, like, for, in the beginning, I really liked the joke with the Marvel, Marvel Security Guard, because he actually, that guy is actually Marvel Security, who is a security guard for the theater, apparently. And he's like a little... Cam he's a, it's a cameo from one of the Marvel Security Guards. And uh, she, she crash-lands in the blockbuster, and then he goes. she goes to the car, and then she says, where's your communications? And he points to a radio shack. And he just points to it, and, he, and, he's, and he's, it's just his look and his point. Okay, that, that gag just works for me, I think. And, um, and it was a radio shack, so that was... Just, I don't know, it was just funny. It didn't feel too heavy-handed. And you got other things as well, but I don't know. I just wasn't, if I'm being honest, I just wasn't really that affected by it. And it didn't really annoy me that much. But something really did annoy me, which I'll get to in a minute. And I didn't really, yeah, I didn't really um, like that bit. But um, it's, well, I fucking may as well talk about it now. So... Just a girl. So there's a final fight sequence, and uh, no doubts, just a girl plays, and it, it 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 fits the scene because it's a you know it's a pivotal moment in the movie. It's where Carol is finally able to, um, you know she's she's finally able to make her uh, she's be more sorry be more powerful. A bit too much coffee. <laughs> She's become more powerful. She's embraced these powers. She's, she is. She can really fully let loose. That's what. That's what. That's that's perfect way to think it. She can really. She can fully just let loose, and then the song plays. And I think it'd be better. I like the song choice. I don't. I'm not. I'm not. I'm not against the song choice. But I think it'd be worked better if it choreographed with the fight better. And it was kind of like if the fight was in time with the music, because sometimes the music is playing over the fight where there's some dull moments and it really just doesn't really fit. And, the, you know, it kind of worked at first and then it just kind of lost its steam for me. Um, throughout the fight. And then it just kept playing and playing and I was just like, okay, all right, I'm done with this one. So maybe if that was implemented just a bit better and more thought was put into it in terms of choreograph and all that stuff, fight choreography and all that stuff, um, I would have liked that better because again, that fight is okay. But my favorite fight again is that is that training fight because it showcases the physicality of both actors, and shows you the training that Brie went to. She went through nine months of, you know, lifting, uh, you know, lifting, uh, bench pressing, all that stuff. In the gym, hard at work, and that shows. And those you can see her muscles, you can see everything in in those scenes and those beginning scenes because they they really showcase what these actors went through and what these how how much they've you know committed themselves to this role. 
and it shows in that fight, and it's filmed really good too. There's few there's few cuts, and it just shows how good that that fight is. And that's why that fight to me is better than the other fights in the other film because they involve other fights just involve CGI, and then that final fight is just all CGI. It, don't get me wrong, it's it's exciting. It's it's almost like electric, but it doesn't have the same adrenaline that a real fight has to me that I see on screen. When I see a real fight, my like sometimes my knuckles tense up. I get I, I get like ooh, especially when the hero is vulnerable, and um, that's when the fight really gets really interesting. And that's something that this movie kind of struggles with. Carol Danvers is not really much of a vulnerable character. Surely, sure, she's gone through some struggles in life, and she's um, she's trying to figure out who she really is. But she's kind of powerful from the beginning. She, she you know, she has um, she has the the glowing fist and everything. She has the power there, and she's kind of powerful. It's not until the end where she just gets more powerful, and um, and. Uh, you know, we, we see that on screen. But that that's kind of it. However, I will say, in the end, when she fights Young Rog finally in the desert kind of area, um, and then he goes, he asks her to fight him, to finally fight him, put away the powers, he puts her gun down, and then she just blasts him. I, I, I don't know, I, I found that hilarious. I'm not... I didn't really want to see a fight there because, I don't know, I've seen the fight before, like the training with them, and um, I don't know, I just feel like she, she didn't need to fight him because she's about to fucking fight one of the worst, one of the one of the most evil villains in all of fucking Marvel history in Endgame. Like, we're going to get a fight there, obviously. And it'll probably be all CGI, but I think it'd be just more exciting. And the way he just... He's, he, he's constantly undermining her in this in this movie. He's he's always you know um, putting her down, not listening to what she's saying, and just saying that to he's saying to uh, conceal emotion and don't think about that stuff, and always think um, you know that that will that will help her focus more on a fight. And you know now that she has his powers, it's reminiscent of this scene. And anybody who says that that, that scene doesn't work and it's just a gag. There's a scene in Indiana Jones where Indiana Jones is... This guy asked to fight Indiana Jones. I don't know what Indiana Jones movie it's in. But I just know that that scene exists in one of those movies. Where this guy fights, has to fight Indiana Jones. And Indiana Jones is great. He's, he's, he's written as a vulnerable hero. He goes for a lot of shit. The action sequence in those movies are great. Except the fifth one. Fifth or fourth one. I mean, the fucking Kingdom of the Crystal Skull. Like, that movie's garbage. Um, and, you know, most of those things are great. Uh, then there's a scene where a guy asks him to fight him with his fists, and he just shoots him, and it's fucking hilarious. And he just shoots him. And that scene kind of reminded me, this, the scene in Captain Marvel with Young Rog just reminded me of that scene. And that, that's my kind of argument with the people that have just said, oh, well, she should have just fought, and that's kind of undermining her as a character, not fighting, she didn't have to... She didn't, um, you know, she, she didn't, uh, she had to fight him to prove that she was. And I was just, and I know that she doesn't have, I mean, this is where it's kind of getting a little contradicting for me, really. Um, I, I do sound contradictive, but to me, with Yon Rog, I just think that, 
it that that gag really works because of the way he just flies away, and uh, it just hits a fucking music gets blasted and he just flies away, hits the rock, and you know that like I don't feel like I'll I'll just say that she doesn't I don't feel like she needs to she just I don't feel like she needs to show him what she's learnt because yeah she can just do that you're fucked. And then that can come down to... That can open up some other arguments about character and how there's not there's not really a learning kind of thing there. But I feel like there's going to be more um, substance given to her in Infinity War. Ho I mean, sorry, Endgame. Hopefully there is. But the, thing, the, the weird thing about that is that she filmed her scenes for Endgame before she did her solo film. So the people that are criticizing Brie for this film... I don't know what they're going to feel in Endgame. Hopefully there's a bit more direction going on. The Russo Rebels have proven that they can film action sequences and have good character moments. So, yeah, I don't really know what uh, people are going to really expect. Um, if she could be better, I don't really know. But I just want to say... I don't care if it sounds contradictory or anything like that. I thought that last scene in the bit where she just blasts Young Rogue is fucking hilarious. And I laughed as well. I laughed in the theater and so did my friend. So. Oh, I did not mix this coffee. Oh, boy. Holy shit. <laughs> so, yeah. Um, that doesn't work. Back to the music, though. So, Just the Girl could have been fixed. But I really, really didn't like the placement of Come As You Are from Nirvana. It's during a sequence where she sees the um, the higher intelligence who ends up being Marvell, played by Annette Bening. And just really, really didn't like that Didn't like that scene. It kind of just felt like it was just there. And I don't know. I just it, it was really annoying. It was really annoying to me. And I was just like, yeah, okay, I get it. We're in the 90s. <laughs> That to me, because it had no, there was no joke behind it, that it didn't have any meaning to the scene, it was just there. And even though Annette Marvel kind of acknowledges that there's music there, because, you know, Marvel's actually been controlled by Yon Rog, because um, it's part of her interrogation in her mind, um, in Carol's mind. And that's when she finally fucking goes binary. Um. Because there was nothing there, like I said, like no joke behind it or no meaning to that scene. It just playing. It, that's where it felt like Suicide Squad. But again, I'm going to reiterate it, it. It. Other than that bit, there's nothing else that feels invasive with Suicide Squad. Suicide Squad to me just plays music for the fuck of it. Suicide Squad plays music because it wants to appeal to a larger audience and, and it wants to appeal to everyone that's watching, so they can just look at that scene and go, "Oh fuck yeah, I know that song." Oh fuck yeah, that's that's um that's um fucking Eminem. That's the real Slim Shady from Eminem. Oh, that's Bohemian Rhapsody from Queen. Oh, that's like it just it just it's just there. There's no meaning to them, and they're just playing it. It's like a fucking music video. Yeah, that that's it, it's never as bad as Suicide Squad. I'll never, I'll I'll say that, but that sequence came very close, but. It was never, it's never as bad as that. It was never as bad as that. Uh, but look, let's start getting into a bit more of kind of um, some more things that 
I found problems with. The biggest problem with this movie has, to me, in, ter- in, in terms of it being a film and it being part of the part of the MCU and it kind of fitting into kind of like a middle tier film for me, not being high or not being low, or just kind of smack being in the middle, it being kind of okay, uh, but still very entertaining, is its script. Um... I don't know. The um, again, you've got some good lines between you know um, Carol and um, Nick Fury, but other than that, it just kind of feels run of the mill. Uh, as I said, it's predictable except the scroll stuff that really got me. The scroll twist was good, but I don't know. Everything else just feels predictable. It, it plays out how I think it's going to play out in my head, and they they're just juggling too many story elements. I think. You have... They're trying to set up an origin story for Carol Danvers and Captain Marvel. They're trying to set up an origin story for Nick Fury. They're trying to set up a scroll kind of secret invasion storyline, I, th- I believe. Um, but you, you can hold me to that if they're, if they're not. And they're also trying to work in elements to fit it into Endgame. So they're doing one, four things in this movie. Where this movie could have just been an origin story for Captain Marvel. But because we're in so far into the MCU and an Endgame's coming up, they, fit, they need to fit it into the Endgame. Right? But that's where you... Because you spend so much time on d- different characters, we barely... We, 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 we do get time with Carol, but I think we could have got more time with Carol, especially with Monica Rambo. That could have been explored way more. I didn't... There is emotion there, but I didn't feel the emotion, if you, if you don't really... If you understand what I'm trying to say... I didn't really feel it. Like, it's trying to tell me there's a history between them, and it's clear on screen that there's a history between them, but I just don't feel that history. I don't feel that emotion. I don't feel their bond. And it's because it's not explored as much as I would like it to be explored in in a film about her, about Captain Marvel herself. I like the scenes where... I do like the scenes where she, you know, she's, she gets up, um, and she's, you know, she's, she's proven that she's been a strong woman her whole entire life, but I just think there could have been some deeper shit going on. I think there could have been some deeper character development, um, just a deeper story. And then you have Nick Fury's origin story, and he doesn't have an arc at all. He... He visits. He comes on. He comes on to arrest Carol, and then he goes on a road trip with her, and then he is the same as he was before. He just and then he creates the Avengers at the end. So there's not really much of an arc with him either. We barely get any any screen time with Coulson. Um, and who who else would I really like in this movie? I really like the actress Gemma Chan, and I do like Jaimin Honsu as well. And we just... We don't get anything with them. We... Um, I, I, people keep telling me, like, Minerva is, like, a big part of that storyline, and she's a very good character. But I just didn't feel that she was that substantial. Um, Korath, that's his name. Because he was in Guardians of the Galaxy. Um, like, more, more time with Korath. And she says, like... In the end, when when Carol's fighting her, in the end, how 
she says, well, I never liked you anyway. I just, I don't know. There could have been some, there could have been some back and forth there. We didn't see any of that. She was always kind of with her. And I know she probably could have been doing up in front of Yon Rog or something like that. Or, um, you know, playing nice in front of him. But I just think there could have been a bit more of a conflict explored there between Carol and Minerva. And because Gemma Chan is such a great actress. She's really, really good. And I love watching her. And um, and I don't underestimate Jarman Honsu as well. He's He can be really good. He was really good in um, in uh, Blood Diamond, I believe it was. With uh, DiCaprio. Blood Diamond. Um, where's the fucking cast? Yeah, Blood Diamond. I knew it was him. Um, that's a that's a good movie, and he was really good in that. And I just feel, I don't think his character as Korath just gets as much development as because as anybody else. Because again, we're juggling with so many story elements that we're barely getting time to get to know any of these characters. And that's what puts it down in the middle for me, because for the other movies, like one of my fa my favorite MCU movie is the Guardians of the Galaxy, and I do really like the Guardians of the Galaxy Volume Two because there's much more character development in that movie. There's death in that movie. Um, there's character development in Guardians of the Galaxy. It's about it's about a group of people of different species that shouldn't be together that on in the end become a family. And that's and um, and it's backed by a killer soundtrack and the really dry wit and comedic writing of James Gunn and directing of James Gunn, which is why I'm so fucking ecstatic and happy that he's back and going to direct the third movie, because oh my god, was I upset about that? <laughs> um, that was something I don't really get upset and personal about many many things. Um, that are not kind of related to me, but when it comes to my, my professional career and and who I am as a creative, uh, creative, uh, James Gunn is a massive influence and inspiration in terms of my writing. And um, I really take a lot of, in yeah, as I said, influence from him. And when I found that he was not doing Guns of Galaxy Volume 3 and not able to finish his trilogy, that just really, um, yeah, that really hit me. And it very it enraged me. It got me very pissed off that they were not going to let him do it just because of something he did ten years ago. Um, again, I'm not going to have that fucking argument and everything because I've talked about it with a lot of people. I'm not going to start it again. Um, if you want to discuss, it, I'm happy to discuss it with you, but I'm not going to do it on this podcast. All I'm saying is I'm very very happy that he's back and doing the third movie. But what I was talking about was yeah, there's character development. We have. The Winter Soldier as well, which is really, really good. That's when the action started getting a, a lot more better. The, the action was more hard-hitting. Um, and the action in this movie doesn't really feel hard-hitting because I know we're dealing with um, with cosmic powers and, and more uh, kind of space stuff and lasers and guns and all that stuff. But I just feel like even, even that training sequence that I loved, the training sequence, that could have just been, been more that I could have felt the punches more and I just I don't know I just didn't and that one of the best fights in the MCU it is that fucking opening sequence in Winter Soldier that boat sequence is fucking awesome 
and it shows the um, the uh, you know the, the velocity of Captain America and his and his his now just how how just how badass he can be. I'm just gonna use that word. Fuck it. How just how badass he can be as a hero and um, as a fucking this fucking cricket. Is it inside? There you go. Sorry, I just spray that. Sorry for that, if anyone, if that was too much. So yeah, that's why what's why it puts it in the middle, and it's not down the bottom because it's not boring. It's not boring at all. It's very fun. It's very entertaining, and it's again, it's fun. But I want to explore why I thought it was fun later on. But it's a very yeah. I left feeling great, and I was like, all right, fucking, I can't wait for Endgame. Can't wait for her in Endgame. That post-credit sequence was fucking awesome. Because uh, it just gets you hyped, more hyped and hyped and hyped. And she's gonna, she's gonna do some shit. She's gonna do some shit in Endgame. Thanos better be watching his back. <laughs> um. Oh man. I dropped my notes. <laughs> so yeah, both both end credit sequences were good. Um, I liked because Goose uh, swallows the Tesseract. And in the, in the second end credits, <coughs> end credit sequence, he uh, regurgitates it onto Nick Fury's desk. And that was really, really cool. Really fun little sequences. <laughs> little fun little sequence. Um, and, the, and, the, and the VFX look really cool there. Is that, but is that the same Tesseract that, I mean, Fury finds, uh, who finds it? It's, uh, Pegasus? Is it Pegasus again that finds it? Because if Marvel found it, and then Nick Fury gets it, and because I think in the Avengers, it's been looked after by Skarsgård's character, who is... Oh, it's the doctor from fucking. It's the teacher, teacher or doctor? I think it's the doctor from um. I always forget his name from Thor. He was in Thor. He was Jane Foster's friend. Anyway, it's it's played by Stellan Skarsgård. I forget his name. I'm not gonna look it up. How I ended up there, I don't really know. I don't really want to get into that. It's this is this this podcast is not about fucking diving into everything. But I just liked that sequence. Um, I liked how. What I didn't like, how it was just like, I don't know, I just, I was like, eh, how they called her Verse because of her dog tag, because her dog tag was in half, and they just called her Verse, and then you find the other piece, and it says Carol, um, sorry, um, Dan, it says Carol Dan, I think, on the other one, and then it just says Verse on this one, and then they just call her Verse, and then like, what the fuck are they calling her Verse? Oh, that's why they're calling her Verse, and I was like, I was like, oh, okay, righto, but what I did like was, um, Monica, Monica, uh, Monica? I've been calling her Monica this whole podcast. That's her fucking daughter. Maria Rambo. Sorry. <laughs> um, I just realized, holy shit, I've been calling her Monica. Monica is her daughter, by the way. Maria Rambo, who is played by Mashana Lynch. Um, her fucking... Um, her daughter is played by Akira Akbar. But yeah, Maria Rambo is played by Shanda Lynch. Um, her call sign for her Air Force, when she was in the Air Force, when she was a pilot, was Photon, 
which is um, I did some research and found out that Photon is the character's is the hero that Monica becomes. Okay, the name Photon, and then you see in a, in a photo, you see it in a photo, you kind of see a glimpse of it when they're going for the records at the um, facility. Uh, the Pegasus facility, and then you kind of, and then you see it really clearly at the end, but you do see it at first, it didn't feel like a, um, it didn't feel like it just kind of thing they put in there, it's like, oh, Carol was the big inspiration for the Avengers, like, she was there, like, let's just put it there for fuck of it. It kind of, it felt organic, because you saw it, at, you, you kind of saw it first, and it was a blink if you missed it moment, and I didn't miss it, I was like, oh, oh, okay. And then, so you find out that her call sign is Avenger. And he is he and Coulson um, at the end of it are trying to build the Avengers Initiative, and they're calling it the Protectors Initiative because they want to find more heroes like Carol to, to kind of do things. So Carol did inspire the Avengers, and uh, Coulson's calling Coulson and Fury are calling it the Protectors Initiative. But then he when he sees a call sign in a photo, uh, it now becomes the Avengers Initiative because of a call sign, which is I was like okay that's I like that I do like that. Uh, that's really cool. But let's talk about the scrolls. I know we're bouncing around a lot, but it's just in the order of my notes. I'm a very just like, it's not like chicken scratch, but like I'm a very just like I have like thoughts and just like bang, bang, bang. Oh shit! Back to this, back to that. So I can't really, I don't have like an assistant <laughs> to um, struggle it or a co-host to uh, um, kind of organize it and stuff like that. So it's all me. And which is, you know, it's good and bad. It's good and bad. Good is you're going to get my raw feelings and emotions, but the bad thing is you're going to get my raw feelings and emotions. And, and it's just who I am as a person. Which is very just like writing shit down, talking, just talking straight off the bat. But hopefully that's why you listen to the podcast, not to listen to me actually be someone that I'm not. So... But it's, I know I can improve. Isn't that weird? That's part of being human. So, uh, the scrolls were good. Let's talk about those. I like the scrolls. I like the twist with the scrolls. I liked how Talos is now, he's not a villain anymore. He is now kind of the, uh, the catalyst for Carol to spend most of her time. Then you find out why she's been not present for most of the hero films the MCU movies, especially the Avengers ones, because she's been trying to help the Scrolls fight the war, but against their their other people and the Kree and everything like that. So that's the scroll Kree war going on. And she's trying to find them more planets to kind of live on because their planets have been destroyed. They've been taken off their planets. And, you know, you kind of... I liked when they get on the Marvel ship and then it's, it's his family and it's just a lot... There's just a bit... I felt for him. I did. I felt for Talos when he found his family. He found his... I think it was his daughter or his son. I think it was his daughter. It's hard to tell when it's a fucking scroll. <laughs> but um, I knew that was his wife, though. But um, he becomes more of a... To me, becomes more of a tragic character. And um, he just becomes more... I don't know. It's weird because it's a scroll, but he just becomes more... Um, compelling. <laughs> And uh, he just Ben Mendelsohn gets to play with that character a lot, and I loved what he does. Ben Mendelsohn's one of the best parts of the movie. Um, yeah. Excuse me. Excuse me. And it kind of like 
what it kind of did was it kind of subverted the expectation because uh, Ben Mendelsohn usually plays a villain. And the last time I believe he played a villain was uh, Ready Player One, which is, it was also, again, it was just a generic villain. Um, he's a villain, kind of a villain in Bloodline, which is a TV series on um, on uh, Netflix. That is good. Really good. And uh, so I was like, oh, okay, he's going to be the villain. He's just going to do his villain thing. And then when that flip happens, that's when I like that character more. That's when I like Ben Mendelsohn's performance more. It's when that change happens and when that expectation is just flipped. And he's like, oh, no, wait. He's the fucking person you're supposed to care for it now. He's going to help Carol. So that that bit to me, I, I was I was just like, well, that's 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 really really that's really really cool, and it was cool to see him kind of become more of I wouldn't really say hero, but more of a uh, let's just say good guy. It sounds very basic and generic, but I'm just gonna say good guy. And then you've got Yon Rog, who becomes the the villain of the film. And then you've got Ronan as well, and because I don't know, again, he was just so pointless. He was there to. He was going to help them, just like take down the scrolls. Um, he was going to nuke Earth, I believe. And then Yon Rog says, "No, don't do it." And then he comes back. He sends the nuke anyway, but that's what. But it's too late because Captain Marvel has already gone binary, and then she fucks everything up, fucks his shits up, fucks his missiles up, and then he just says, "We'll come back for the weapon." And it's like, oh no. Um, Oh, what do you mean? Uh, oh, I believe what he said. I can't, I can't remember what he said. We'll come back for the weapon. Is it the Tesseract, I think? And then he just says, no, her. And then he fucks off again. So then we get like five minutes of fucking Ronan screen time. And I believe there's a deleted scene where Ronan is part of the Kree stuff. And then he talks to Yon Rog a bit more in person. There's a bit more development there. But I don't know why that was deleted. It could have been left in there. But again, the movie is already dealing with so many story elements and juggling so much shit. That I also see why that was left out as well. But again, just fucking get rid of Ronan altogether. Then, if you don't want to, if you only, if you only want to give that character that much screen time, he's still pointless to me. He's got no development. There's no backstory there. Guardians didn't. I didn't like him in Guardians, and then I didn't like him here because it's just he's just one of the worst villains, and he's pointless. And if he's just going to be that pointless, just fucking don't have him in the movie. Just don't have him in there. Could have been someone else at the end. So just it just doesn't make sense to put him in there if you're not going to give him you're not going to give him any weight. So yeah, that that bit just it just it just sucks to see because Lee Pace is a really really good actor and I really really like him, but he's just given there's just nothing there's nothing for Lee guys. Lee doesn't get shit. I really like Lee Pace. But again, he's just... Nothing's given to Ronan the... Ronan the... Ronan the pussy, more like, because he fucks off in the end. No, sorry. Uh, <laughs> I'll just look at this thing. Fucking hell. Um, another thing I really did like was her suit reveal. It was really, really cool. Um, when she 
becomes Captain Marvel and has like the full on change of the blue and the red and the gold. She fucking sheds off the Kree colors because she can't wear those colors anymore because they're a bunch of dickheads. She um, I like she has a really cool scene with Monica, not Maria, Monica, the fucking daughter. And she does it with her suit, and she changes her colors, and then she asks Monica to help her change her suit. <coughs> and she goes for a lot of iterations of colors, and there's a lot of Easter eggs and hints towards the comics and everything like stuff. I'll let you guys do your research on that. I won't really get into it, but there's a lot of cool re um, stuff going on there. Um, like, there's there's the red and the yellow that was um, the original Captain Marvel, who is now Shazam from DC. His colors... Um, But um, then you finally get to the red and blue, and I just really like how that was all done, the red and blue and the gold, and it was, not, it was, it was really, really cool. And yeah, liked that scene. Um, I'm just trying to think of anything else I want to talk about. Um, I'll leave that there, because that's, that's, that's for later. I think I've talked about everything I want to talk about, I think. Um, yeah, I think I've talked about just about everything. Is that... Oh, another thing I didn't really like. Okay. I had, a, I had a big problem with this. Really big problem with this. I hated how Nick Fury lost his eye. Absolutely, really disliked it. <laughs> um, so, in the end of the movie... I'll give you a little bit of a little bit of, a little bit of context of why it could, this could have happened. So the end of the movie, Coulson comes by and asks him, "There's a replacement eye because he loses his eye in this film." He find out why he loses his eye in this film, and it could be played off as a gag, but I just thought it was. I, I didn't. I didn't like it. I didn't like it. Um. Coulson comes by and says, "Oh, I, you know, people are telling me that you lost your eye in in in, in a um." in a war with the, um, with the Kree. I mean, is the Kree or the Scrolls? I think it was the Kree. And he took your eye out, and he, and he was just like, I don't want to discuss the, I think it was the possibilities of that. Um, I think it was, yeah, I think it was, I don't want to discuss the possibility of that, that, or something like that. Anyway, he doesn't want to talk about it, because obviously he, what happened was, uh, Goose the Cat scratched it out. Yep, I'm not even joking. Sorry, he didn't scratch it out, but he—that's how he fucked up his eye. Goose the cat, the the, the the fucking cat did it. The fucking cat did it. And I don't know that. Like, it could have been. It could have been funny for most people. I mean, it's it, it's played as a gag, obviously. But I don't know. It just kind of it kind of rubs me the wrong way, and I just didn't like it. And, um, I sound like a spoiled kid, but, like, I just, I just, <clears throat> I just didn't like it. And I was just like, that is, that is why. Like, he, he's had this thing throughout the whole, he's had this thing throughout the whole, um, time. This whole series, when he finally reveals in Winter Soldier, and it's all fucked and everything, and I was like, oh, how the fuck did that happen? And then you find out this movie, it was just, it was just a cat. It was just, it was just a cat did it. So, yeah, let's not do it anymore. I wasn't a fan of it. Other people were. That's fine. That's called having an opinion. Um, but I, myself, just didn't like it at all.
So overall, feelings. Was it was fun? It was entertaining. There's a lot of problems I do have with it. But again, I left feeling happy. Positive. Was like, yeah, had a good time. But why? But why? If I had so many problems with the movie, why didn't I leave saying, oh, now I I grew with all these criticisms and everything. Like, I still grew with all these criticisms, but I was just left in a good mood. And I was left feeling... Just feeling, just feeling positive. I was just like, yeah, that was that was good. I was, wasn't wasting money. That was good. So why was I doing it? Is it because of? Is it because Endgame is coming up and it ties really, really, really well into Endgame, especially that credit sequence, that end credit scenes, um, when uh, the her page is going off and it stops going off and then she fucking appears behind Black Widow and then she says, "Where's Fury?" and I was like, "Oh shit! Fuck yeah!" <laughs> And she's got a whole new costume as well. She's got like gold plates now instead of her red um, red shoulder pads. She's got like gold plates. She looks fucking dope. And she's like a bit weathered as well. And her hair's a bit longer. But um, is, it, is it because of that? Is it the end game? Is it my, as my friend would call it, Brie Larson bias? <laughs> because I really, really like Brie Larson. And I think she's a great, great actress. I think she, her, she's. Everyone will say she's so good in Room. Like she, because she, she is good in Room, and she did, she did. Um, oh Jesus Christ, sorry, microphone. She deserved the Oscar for Room, and she's really good in it. But to me, her best performance, best performance of her whole career, is still Short Turn Twelve. Is still Short Turn Twelve to me. I just think, like in Room, because you focus on her and. Um, Drake Tremblay's character. I've already forgotten his name because I watched the movie. Like it came out in 2015, right? So it came out a while ago. Let's just get his name. I'll get his name. Ah, oh, there it is. Jack. That's his name. Okay. Yeah. So yeah, it, it focuses on both of them. It focuses on their 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 freedom finally from their captor that they've been kept in a room for so long and it focuses on their relationship the ups and the downs and that her performance is helped by the people people around her including Jacob Tremblay who's for a first fucking movie I've seen him in was really really good um especially for a child actor because I normally don't like them uh but and she's, but, but just short turns, something about short turn 12, that performance of short turn 12, the relationship with John Gallagher's character, the relationship with Caitlin Deaver's character, the relationship with Keith Stanfield's character, Rami, Stephanie. That whole ensemble of a cast in that movie just works so well, and it's just. Brie Larson to me just leads that pack. And she's so fucking good in it. It's one of my favorite movies of all time. Love Short Turn 12. You haven't seen Short Turn 12? <laughs> well, it's funny. Because I'm talking about um, MCU, um, Destin Daniel Cretton, who um, did Short Turn 12, is going to helm um, Shang-Li. Is it Shang, Shang-Chi? Sorry. Shang-Chi, who is... Um, The uh, Shang-Chi, the master of Kung Fu. I'm just getting the description because I don't know. To be honest, I'm going to be transparent. I don't know much about Shang-Chi. Um, when I found out that De- um, Destin Daniel Cretton was doing it, 
I was like, very interesting. Very interesting. Um, and it'd be, it'd be really cool to see that. So yeah, that's a bit, just a bit of news <laughs> for uh, that film. And uh, just me praising Short Turn 12 again. But um, it's it's not it's it, I, I'm not gonna say bias because if it were, if it was Brie Larson bias I would just say that she's fucking incredible in this movie and she's the best part about it and all that stuff I think that to me bias is just completely denying what other people what say about it say about something that you want like that you are trying to, trying to push across and other people are just. And you're just denying everything. You're completely in denial, and you're saying, "No, no, 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 no. This is this is good." Even when that thing can be better than your thing, you're just gonna you gotta go of it anyway because that's what you like. To me, that's bias. And she's not the best part about this movie. I think Nick Fury is. I think Nick Fury and the fucking cat is. I think Ben Mendelsohn is. Uh, but she is. She's good. I'm not again. I'm, I I won't say her acting is wooden. I just think it's a problem with the direction there. Wooden is wooden is a wooden board. There's a lot of she has she has expression in this movie. She has expression. I don't get that. I just don't get that criticism. She cracks jokes. She's very snarky. She's I just don't get that criticism. But it's not that. I don't think it's that at all. Um, was it with the person I was with? who is one of my best friends, one of the most important people in my life, and she's an extremely, just extremely positive person to be around, and she's very, um, she's, she's just, she's just one of the best people. And she, uh, just has, you know, so much love and compassion, and is, is just one of my favorite people in my whole life. And I think maybe it was, it could have been her presence that was there. And because when, whenever, whenever I'm with that person, whenever I'm with her or anybody else um, in my kind of closer friend circle, but her especially, you know, my, my, my happiness is elevated. It's, it's, I'm like a hundred percent happy when I'm with that person. There's, there's nothing that brings me down and I'm just like completely happy when I'm with that person and her whole vibe and energy and positivity is so infectious and that is why it could be that you never know it could be that but I still was thinking critically about the film and thinking you know, all, all about the aspects of filmmaking and everything like that. I've still said all my problems with it, but I still left feeling like that because I believe we had another really good conversation afterwards. Um, so that, it's hard to say that the, I left feeling like that, that I left feeling shitty because if it was a sad movie, I think I still would have left happy. <laughs> so maybe it was... Maybe it was that. Maybe that was a very big factor. Maybe it's the person that you're with, that you watch a film with, that even if you don't like that movie, the fact that you're with that person, the fact that you're having that experience with that person is still something substantial. So, it could be that. But, I also want to talk about something else. I called the movie fun. I called it entertaining. But that's every single Marvel film. 
that's every single MCU movie. Just about every single MCU movie, sorry. I want to go through every single Marvel film from Phase 3 and Phase 2. <coughs> and I'm going to tell you what I thought about them. My initial thought, I'm going to tell you that pretty much every single movie leading up to parts in Phase 2 was fun for me. And I always call that movie fun and entertaining because they're just doing it right. So, yeah, Captain Marvel was fun. Ant-Man and the Wasp was fun. Avengers Infinity War was fun. One of, my, one of my favorite MCU films. But it wasn't just fun. It had more shit to it. But again, I still called that fun. I found Black Panther fun, even though it's not amazing. Thor Ragnarok is fun. Spider-Man Homecoming is fun. Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 2 is fun. Doctor Strange is fun. Captain America Civil War is fun. Ant-Man is fun. Avengers Age of Ultron is fun. I mean, it's got a lot of problems with it. But... It was still fun and entertaining because Joss Whedon has a lot of sequences in the movie that come straight out of a comic book and they look fucking awesome. Guardians of the Galaxy is my favorite MCU film because it's just very, very, very entertaining and, and so fun to watch. Captain America Winter Soldier was fun, but then Thor of the Dark World. Thor the Dark World is where that stops because that movie to me is like the worst MCU film in my opinion because there's just nothing there. It may look alright, it may look good, but there's no... I just don't care about Thor. I don't care about his struggle. I don't. Malekith is the worst villain, probably ever, in any superhero film. His and he's just the whole ether, and it's uh, shit. I hate it. <laughs> I just, I just really don't like it. And Jane Foster's so just, it's a nothing character. So that's where it stops there. So, ever since then, I think the change was... Because Iron Man 3 wasn't really... I wouldn't really call it fun. There's a lot of things in that. Avengers was fun. But all these other ones in Phase 1, they're not really fun. They're kind of... I don't know. They're kind of... Uh, there's not much going on in them. And I think they're starting to... It's when the Russo's come in with Captain America Winter Soldier, which is, again, one of my favorite MCU films. It's when it comes in there. Because every single film after Captain America The Winter Soldier, to me, was at least entertaining. And at least very, very fun to watch. Now, there could be a, a, um, a statement saying that it's just because they're playing it very safe and they're trying to reach the most mainstream audience possible and they want to get butts in seats while they kill the money, so they're going to put everything that's going to please everyone in it. That could be the case. I could be, you know, that could be the case. I do, I do agree that they are playing it very safe. There, there is nothing, there hasn't been major, like, huge, huge character development, other than, because, I didn't really have too much to feel in Homecoming, Ragnarok, uh, Black Panther, Infinity War was the next time I really felt something because those, that just that scene in the end was very, very just well done. Amen the Wasp was pretty empty to me. That's actually one of the worst Marvel films, I think. Uh, but Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 2 was a big one for me. Even though you can say they're all jokesters, you can say they're all shit, but there's a lot of character development in that movie. And it's so well done. You've got the death of Yondu. It's not afraid to do that. It's not afraid to, to uh, you know, to do something different. I think. 
Um, you may have, you may get different elements of Doctor Strange and everything like you get you start to get the magic shit going on Doctor Strange. You start getting more, you know, you start getting more um, cosmic with um, Captain Marvel getting in space and everything, introducing more things like Kree and scrolls. But there's just I just again with Captain Marvel I didn't feel any I didn't feel. Um, it just didn't, it, it didn't, yeah, there was no, there's not much substance to me. Yeah. But in the Guardians films, there is. You have that great scene in the first Guardians movie where Groot loses his, he, he protects all of the Guardians to sacrifice himself to become baby Groot, which is, you know, a, a bit of a gimmick in volume two, to be honest, but he's cute as fuck, guys. He's cute as fuck. But, there's a great scene there, and it's very... And that, I felt that scene in Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 2. I felt the death of Yondu in Guardians of the Galaxy Volume... Um, sorry, the Guardians of the Galaxy, the first one, and I felt the death of Yondu in Guardians of, Volume, Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 2, and I felt the rage and the betrayal with Star-Lord and his father in Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 2. So you can say whatever you want about Guardians of the Galaxy and how ridiculous it looks and the jokes and the jokes that it has but in my opinion there is it has it has what i've seen the most character development in any MCU film um you've got you do have a lot of you have a bit of development in civil war where you've got the divide between cap and tony but that's all perpetrated um Perpetrated? Perpetuated, sorry, by um, Bucky. By the Winter Soldier. By the White Wolf, as um, as they call him in Black Panther, in the credit scene. Volume 2 of Guns of the Galaxy deals with parenthood. It deals with real issues that we, we can kind of... That I can relate to on a more personal level. It deals with family. It deals with... It deals with family in a lot of aspects. Uh, Peter's real parentage. Peel's kind of parentage with Yondu, who is that that sign that um, that uh, quote from Yondu. Um, I'm pretty sure that quote that quote from Yondu is great when he before he dies. When he says, he may be your father boy, but he wasn't your daddy. Like, that that right there was... And it, it is, it's funny because... It's funny and heartbreaking at the same time. Because it comes from a, a character that likes to crack jokes and everything. But you could, you could feel the core there. With Yondu and, um, and Peter Quill. And... That to me was, it's still a fun movie, but that is, that is, um, there's just more, there's more to it. There's more substance to it. And I'm, what I'm trying to say is, it, it sounds, I'm going off track a bit, I'm going on tangents, but that's just me. What I'm trying to say is, I, that's what, I didn't get that with Captain Marvel. I didn't get that with Ant-Man and the Wasp. I didn't get that with Black Panther. Um, now, 
they're, they're, I'm not, to, and, and I'm not going to put down other people that got things from that other movie. It's just what this is my opinion. There's, you don't have to agree with it, and this is the, this is the beauty again of, um, art. It's subjective. You can have your own opinions of it. This is my opinion, and this is how I feel. So you can watch Captain Marvel. I can see how Captain Marvel is a really, really great film for women, uh, women, and especially young girls. Especially young girls. Because I believe if my sister, who is just turned 11 a couple of days ago, saw Captain Marvel and come out of it and talked about it so much, that would be incredibly heartwarming, and that would be so fucking great to see. And if a movie can do that, well done. That is beautiful. She did the same thing when she came out of Wonder Woman, so I think, I believe that if she does see Captain Marvel, because she, she does like the MCU, that she does like, see Captain Marvel, that it could be her favourite, because she finally has a hero that she can relate to in these, in these films. She finally has someone that can inspire, inspire her in a more relatable way. So, that's for her. But again, back to my back. I'm going back. To, going back to me, me. Uh, that's not. It doesn't really work for me that much. So, um, and I know there's other people that share this opinion, but this is just this is just what I want to say. MCU films are always going to be fun. They're always going to be entertaining. But we are yet after to. I think Endgame. We're really going to get some in Endgame. I. Hope we're going to get some a lot of substance in Endgame. I'm, I'm yet to feel what I felt in Guardians of the Galaxy Volume Two. I'm yet to feel that again, because Infinity War had that, but it just wasn't as strong as it was in that movie. So, what I'm trying to say is, I can't wait for Guardians of the Galaxy Volume Three. Fuck yeah, James Gunn is back, baby. Fucking do it again, baby. Finish that fucking trilogy, son. I cannot wait. <laughs> I'm so happy he's back. And the point of this whole thing is... Fucking can't wait for Guardians of the Galaxy 1 and 3. It's going to be fucking sick. Um, no, that's... That's what I'm trying to say is... I want to I feel that in Endgame. I want to feel that again. And... Fun to me is... Is a um if I want to, if I want to dig into it just just a bit more before I fuck off because I'm reaching the narrow fifteen mark and you're probably getting sick of my fucking voice. But yeah, fun to me is a is a, is a surface kind of thing. Anything can be fun. I'm drinking a coffee right now. That's fucking fun as shit because it's gonna make me feel some sort of. It's gonna give me a caffeine hit first of all. I'm gonna feel fun from it, and it's you know it it tastes good. I've I made a good coffee. It tastes good. And that, to me, is fun. Fun is kicking a soccer ball around. Fun is, is, you know, having, um, dancing around in the kitchen while you're making a fucking pie. That's fun. So that's what I feel like. I just want to say, as much as, um, because I, I, I did have a conversation with uh, my friend the other day about the, the fatigue about superhero films and 
if we are feeling it because she did she she mentioned that she's ready for Endgame. She's coming for Endgame, but after that, she doesn't think she can even watch Spider Man. To be honest, Far From Home comes out in July. She doesn't feel like she can watch Spider Man. Um, and I kind of just said, yeah, well, that's because they kind of, in terms of what they are, and not not in terms of what they deliver on the surface, but in terms of what they are underneath, they're kind of the same. And that's where I think it needs to kind of change. There needs to be more substance to these movies. Don't get me wrong, these movies are way better than DC's movies. I just watched Aquaman drunk off my ass last night. But I believe if I watched that movie again sober, I would have the same opinions. Because I was just laughing and everything. There was no development. Uh, Atlanta and her fucking... His dad just get together straight away. Mira and, and Aquaman's relationship don't believe at all. There's no development between them at all. In any scenes, all my shit. The Black Manta is pointless. The visual effects are just not good. Um, there's, a, there's some style to them. Don't get me wrong. There's some style to them. And they look alright, but there's just, there's just, I don't know, I just think there's too much. And, um, what was I going to say? And, uh, just, just, there's nothing, I, after that movie, I just, I just felt nothing. I was just like, alright, that was two and a half hours long, and I just don't really feel anything. So, and I couldn't even say that that was... That was fun because it was just, it was kind of bland. There's things going on, but it's just bland. And that's what the Marvel movies have over it. There's always things going on there to entertain me. That's why I always come out feeling good and going like, all right, that was at least, you know, that was, that was good. I had fun with it. It was entertaining. When I think about it more, they could go down, but I'm always going to say that that was fun. Every, just about every single DC film I've come out of just saying, what the fuck was that? That was bland as shit. I was so fucking bored. What was going on? And I don't care what it looks like. I don't care what it looks like. I don't, I don't give a shit if, if it's going, it, you, like, you know, it goes into, um, uh, it's, it's contrast really looks really good. It does does well with its blacks. And you can talk about color in all those movies all you want. It's very oversaturated. Um, and that may look good. It may They may look a little better than Marvel movies. But that's just... I mean, that could be someone else's opinion. That could be something else to be talked about. Uh, but I just don't... I don't... I just feel empty after those movies. I don't feel anything. Suicide Squad was a fucking music video. It was shit. There was no character development at all. Because I watched that movie now, I used to think that Deadshot was one of the best parts of it, and Harley Quinn's there. Harley Quinn's just there. Um, she can do all these things. There's, there's so many plot holes. There's uh, Batman vs Superman's also boring. Superman to me is a very boring character. He's not. There's no stakes. Um, even Aquaman too. I like Jason Momoa, but I just just don't like the movie. <laughs> Again, there's. There's a threat of Orm taking over Atlantis and him taking over the world. He's bringing the war to the surface, but I never felt that threat. I never felt the stakes. And that's the difference between... between uh, the DCEU films and... Um, MCU. Sorry, I'm... It's, quarter, it's 20 to 2. 
Um, but I should be up because I had a coffee, but it's probably wearing off because I drank it a while ago. Infinity War. Let's get let's get this right. Infinity War, there are incredible stakes. The villain fucking wins. They have the balls to make the villain win. And every half of the population dies. In Justice League, the villain is a, is the villain is another CGI man, poorly rendered probably rendered though, really bad looking. The parademons are pointless. The Batman's character is completely changed for the film. The Flash is not really funny at all. Wonder Woman is nothing. And Aquaman is just this dude, bro, that yells out things every now and then that is supposed to make the audience be like, Oh, fuck, he's cool, he's badass. That movie is hot fucking garbage. And that's what the MCU does right with DC. I'm sorry to turn towards DC and MCU comparison, but that, that, that's just my opinion. I just feel the MCU does so many more things right than DC does with their films. So, in conclusion, Captain Marvel was fun. It was entertaining. But again, didn't feel anything, didn't really feel much there. And if it does work for other people, that works. My point is, I want to see, I hope that Endgame hits me in the same spot that Guns of the Galaxy Volume 2 hit me. And I hope it delivers on character development and much, instead of it being action set pieces and everything, again, I really hope it delivers on character and what we get with arcs, with all these with all these Avengers that we've spent so many fucking movies with over this year. And I really hope the payoff is effective and it works. And I have hype for this movie. I have hype. I don't have overwhelming hype. But I have hype for it, and I'm I'm going to probably watch it in the over the over the first weekend that it's out. I just hope it delivers on every aspect, and I'm not I'm not asking it to because we're already asking impossible things after seeing all these heroes on the screen in Infinity War is an incredible feat in terms of in terms of that kind of filmmaking to fit so many superheroes in the film, but then we keep asking for more. And again, I could be contradicting myself by asking for more, but the last, the movie since Infinity War, I have felt nothing. And I want to, I want to be hit again. I want to be hit again. And again, Volume 2 did it better than Infinity War. And I want to feel that again. I want to be hit in the dick. I want to be knocked down. I want to be stepped on. I want to cry like a bitch. So I'm hoping Infinity War delivers on that. And I'm, I'm sorry, Endgame delivers on that. And Guns of Lucy Volume 3. Fuck it, let's do it, baby. James Gunn's back. Woo! <laughs> All right, guys. Thank you so much for listening to the discussion on Captain Marvel. Um, thank you for, if you made it this long, if you made it this long to the end and listened to my rambling and my, I, I sound like one of those guys that are trying to find a serial killer. Um, and my, cons- my theories and conspiracies and everything like that. Thank you so much. I really appreciate it. This was a pretty long one, but I wanted to get this all off my chest. I wanted to tell you guys how I've been feeling recently about these movies. Um, and I just want to say, and thanks to everyone who watched the live stream last night. That was really fun. That was I had a really good time. Even the, as I said, even the movie wasn't that great. I was having fun, huh? Ah, look at that. We brought it all full circle. <laughs> Righto, um, so, 
I don't know if there's going to be another one this week, but I think there'll be one next week, because Us comes out next week, and I'll be watching Us, definitely watching Us. So I'll be talking about that next week. I might have another maybe topic that I could probably get used, um, probably dig into. I like not just talking about a movie that I saw. I like finding other things to talk about, having a conversation about different aspects of film, and different aspects of filmmaking, and, and things I like, and, and um, things that spark more of a discussion. I do like getting into that stuff. I want to get more guests on and talk about that stuff. I want to do more of that. So, um, yeah, hopefully we can do more of that in the future. Because uh, this was good. I really I really enjoyed this. Getting off that of my chest was, that felt really great. Um, I've also just been, um, in terms of uh, being, in, in, in terms of mentally, I've just haven't been feeling that great. And um, this is kind of, this always is therapeutic for me and, and it feels... It feels really good when I finally um, do talk about all this stuff and um, get it out there. So, yeah, again, really appreciate you listening. I'll say it three times, fuck it, because it's really what keeps keeps me going. Even if it's just my friends, um, I love doing this shit. I love it. love talking about this. love talking about my passion about film and everything like that. I just love doing it. And uh, you guys are the reason that this is, this is, I'm still doing it. So, cheers. Thank you so much. Um, yeah, so I might come up with something, another idea next week. If I don't, I'll probably announce something on the page or something like that. Um, there could be some more. Oh, I, I want to say, um, thank you for everyone watching Unicorn. That was really, fuck yeah. I love getting all the responses for that. Um, I know that some of you guys didn't really understand. Um, some of you didn't understand it, but I was happy to give you some hints and you um, work it out and everything. Uh, with that movie, that wasn't the point. wasn't to really spell it out for everyone. I don't like doing that. I like to do some visual storytelling. So I wanted to do it by it playing out. And the challenge of that movie was it was a lyrical, so no dialogue was allowed to be spoken. So not really much could be kind of explained to the audience. So that could be another thing that was a factor in in of um, um, it being part of the film not being really that um, not making much sense to. Uh, most people, because I've got a lot of messages saying, what the fuck is going on? Do they want to fuck the unicorn? Uh, so I'll just say, no, they don't want to fuck the unicorn. And there's a much kind of deeper meaning behind it all. Uh, which I'm really going to get into with um, the feature film that I'm writing. And hopefully we'll be finishing the first draft of that soon. Because that is based off the film um, I'm releasing. So the next kind of step is to get Longland out there. But I want to I want to try and do a first run with that. But... Very soon, um, I'm going to release a teaser poster for Longland. So that that's going to be fun. going to have fun doing that. Um, I've been doing a lot of shit on Photoshop recently because I've been doing a lot of graphics for um, my favorite Arctic Monkeys songs. And I've just been doing that to kind of keep me busy creatively. I'm still writing Fun Police episodes as well. And that was really cool. Uh, listening to new music. Um, so, uh, yeah. So there's more shit coming. Don't worry. Um, could be a podcast, could be something else entirely, but I just want to say again, big, 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 big thanks, and I really appreciate your work. Thanks for watching Unicorn. Thanks for listening to this. Um, I'll, I'll uh, have a great rest of the week. Stay safe. Um, don't, um, yeah, just don't do, don't do anything stupid. <laughs> Because um, there's just been a lot of shit going on, and it's been really stupid recently, and it's just been, it's been shit. It's just making the world shit. 
So just don't be a dick. Remember that. Just don't be a fucking asshole. Be a nice person. Be kind to each other. Um, yeah, I think the world means a lot more of that right now. And um, it, again, it'll be a podcast, some other form, or something else. I'll, it'll be announced on the page. So if you follow the page, you'll find it from me out there, guys. So have a great week, and I'll um, I'll, I'll talk to you next time.